welcome. I'm Sophia Ruan Goucher, author of the book A to Z of Detoxing, the ultimate guide to reducing our toxic exposures, and now host of A to Z of Detoxing, the podcast, where I will be sitting down with everyone from beekeepers to teachers, chefs to doctors, and all of the mothers, fathers, and children in between. Collectively, we'll learn tips and tricks for practical, non-toxic living. I look forward to sharing my humbling and never-ending discoveries with all of you. In this podcast, I'm talking about EMFs, which stand for electromagnetic fields. In super simple terms, EMFs are invisible exposures we get from things like cellular, wireless, and cordless communications, which we get from things like cordless phones, wireless laptops, cell phones, and more. EMFs also include exposures from electrical currents from things like our plugged-in alarm clocks. Again, that's an explanation of EMFs in super simple terms. While there have been many studies on whether daily routine exposures are safe, experts debate what are safe limits. Some scientists argue that the science tells us that we should be taking more precautionary measures, especially with young life like fetuses and children. Other scientists claim that current routine exposures are safe, and guidelines on what is safe range greatly. For example, guidelines for safe exposures from Wi-Fi and Bluetooth range from 0.1 to 10 million microwatts per square meter. Again, the range is 0.1 to 10 million. So there's a lot of confusing information for an average person to make sense of. I also found these exposures harder to understand because they are more intangible than chemical exposures. Even their units of measure are hard to make sense of, like milligauss, volts per meter, and microwatts per square meter. As a result, I've been slow to make sense of these potentially toxic exposures. Over the past five years, though, as I have learned more, it has slowly begun to make more sense to me, though I certainly remain a novice on the topic. Regardless, I think it's very important to have more productive conversations about EMFs and their potential health threats. In today's podcast, I talked to Matt Walensky, who is a certified building biology environmental consultant by the International Institute for Building Biology and Ecology, an international nonprofit that aims to help reduce indoor toxic exposures, including from electromagnetic fields. Matt is one of among 46 certified U.S. experts listed on their website. I hired Matt to measure my New York City apartment a few years ago after I could no longer ignore potential concerns. He measured areas of my home with tools. To see increases and decreases in certain areas was eye-opening. For example, when he came to my New York City apartment, I saw big differences in exposures from my wireless laptop plugged into an electrical outlet and then not plugged into it. I also saw changes in measurement when my body stood in the way and absorbed some of these fields. Most recently, I decided to hire Matt to measure my family's second home outside the city. My husband and I recently upgraded a wireless system that controls things like climate, lights, and audio. Feeling dramatically worse, like fatigue, nausea, mental fogginess, a surprising amount of forgetfulness, and very disrupted sleep, I wondered if I could be feeling dramatically worse from the increased Wi-Fi exposures. 
After debating about what would be sensible, I decided to hire Matt, and I'm really glad that I did. I was stunned to learn about exposures from my workspace. From where I work in front of my computer, my exposures to Bluetooth and wireless was measured at 20,000 microwatts per square meter. Again, from earlier before, what is safe ranges from 0.1 to 10 million? And I was, my workspace was measuring 20,000. After we turned Bluetooth and the Wi-Fi booster off, the microwatts per square meter dropped from 20,000 to 4.5. And although there is debate about what limits are safe, after unplugging all Wi-Fi boosters and turning Bluetooth off, I immediately felt better. Most wonderful, however, has been my restorative sleep. So I hope you find the following podcast thought-provoking and that it'll inspire you to experiment with easy-to-try tips like removing as many electrical, cordless, and wireless devices from your sleep area as possible. Leave your cell phone on airplane mode whenever possible, but especially when you sleep. Also, look into whether your digital devices are exposing you to Bluetooth exposures and experiment with reducing your exposures to see if you feel or sleep better. Check out my conversation with Matt and visit nontoxicliving.tips for more tips and resources. To start out with, can you explain what is a certified building biology environmental consultant? Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, building biology is a a curriculum that started out in Germany um, around the Second World War um, when houses were starting to be built um, tighter, more efficiently um, to try and conserve energy, that sort of thing. And, And coincidentally, people started becoming um, more sick, more ill in their own homes. And so this curriculum kind of started out um, from there, and it's really the study of how indoor environments affect health. And there was a gentleman that actually um, brought that curriculum curriculum to the United States and kind of started his own um, school, if you will, um, focusing on that. And, and that's essentially what, um, what, what I went through initially getting into this uh, field of study and um, the, the idea here is, is we're, we're constantly comparing our indoor environments to the outdoor world. Um, what's, what's actually in nature, what's natural, um, what have humans evolved with, um, and taking a look at then the indoor environments and seeing you know, what, what's out of balance, what, what doesn't work, um, and what potentially could be um, making us sick. And so that's, that's really kind of what um, building biology is is all about, and you know, obviously, in, environmental consultant really is just going into people's homes then and, and looking for all of those things, um, all of those stressors that might be in our environment that could be affecting our health. And it seems like there are unnatural stressors in our indoor environments that aren't as threatening in our outdoor environments. Correct? Yes. That's, yep. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Um. So how did you get into this? Yeah, so about, uh, gosh, it was around 2007, 2008, um, I was working in a, uh, a wellness um, company um, out in Long Island. And, um, and I, at that point, was just more managing the business side of things. Um, and 
as we were going, we saw a lot of children, especially children uh, on the autism spectrum, and had been hearing some reports from various sources around the world about how electromagnetics um, affected the body's natural ability to detoxify. And so being that we're seeing a lot of people in the office, we want to make sure it was a safe environment for them to come into, that you know whatever treatments we were giving them were being effective. And so I, like most people, um, just went out and bought you know a meter online um, didn't know what I was measuring did, <laughs> didn't know didn't know um, you know what I was even looking for or what even caused it but um, interestingly enough um, really high levels um, were found in our office uh, and the highest levels were directly underneath um, the floor of where the practitioners were actually sitting uh, for eight nine hours of the day wow. um, and um, in, in, interestingly enough they were feeling a lot of fatigue too um, throughout the day and, and not really sure exactly why that was. Um, so I kind of went on a mission to try and find somebody that knew something about this to, to try and resolve it. Um, you know, I did a lot of um, online searches. Um, I did a lot of uh, calling electricians and different people. Um, and, and interestingly enough, in, in this part of the country in New York here where um, you know, it's one of the more, more populated places on earth. Um, I couldn't find anyone that really knew much about it or could do anything about it. And so and what year was this? This was, this was back in like 2007, 2008. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so it was, is really, I, I kind of changed my focus from trying to find somebody that could fix the problem to how do I learn more about it? Um, and through a couple of sources, um, one online retailer of um, electromagnetic equipment kind of turned me on to the building biology um, curriculum and because they were one of the only um, places that actually even had any um, education as far as what um, electromagnetic fields are, um, what, what creates them, how do you solve them, that sort of thing. And um, interestingly enough, the the, the, the school, the, the Building Biology Institute, only holds um, one um, electromagnetic um, instruction seminar a year. Um, and it's about a week-long kind of intensive um, seminar. And um, it, it was two weeks from the date that I originally heard about it. Um, wow. So it was, I, I kind of saw that as a sign that it's something that I needed to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I immediately signed up, and, and at that time, you know, it was being held down in um, down in Tampa, Florida. So I went down there for a week. Um, I learned a ton. I understood it a lot more of uh, about EMFs, mm -hmm. um, but you know, I still didn't know enough to solve the problem. And but through that experience, I was able to get connected with the individuals that did know how to solve it, and, and I ended up hiring an individual. Um, myself to come up and take a look at the office um, and go through some mitigation. I kind of shadowed that person through that through that experience. Um, I really um, learned a lot more even than I did going to that um, one week seminar. Um, and then from there, I was kind of hooked and decided mm -hmm. that this was really interesting um, and wanted to pursue that more as a as a career. And so, um, bringing that back to the wellness center that I was working in, um, one of the other pieces that we were seeing too is a lot of um, the treatments that we were doing have some initial um, benefits with um, our patients but over time um, you know you'd see a plateau or some regression and so the thought there too is we, we were never really addressing the environmental aspects of people's health mm -hmm. and um, 
trying to um, get people to understand that um, we, you know, we really needed some way to get into the home to see, you know, what environment are they living in? What are the stressors that they're coming in contact with? You know, is it mold? Is it air quality? Is it EMFs? Is it, you know, any one of those things? And so that's kind of at that point where I kind of um, branched out. And then I went to, um, I went back to the Building Biology Institute um, and went through their full certification program that, you know, not only encompasses EMF, but it also, you know, covers indoor air quality. It covers natural building um, water quality, you know, just pretty much every every gamut of, of healthy building that you can think of. And so I went through that program, and then once I completed that, then started um, this business, Healthy Dwellings. That's great. Yeah. It's such an important service. So for people unfamiliar with EMFs, yep. will you provide a basic explanation? Sure. So um, uh, EMFs, or electromagnetic fields, are, are, are really just frequencies. Um, and if you think about, you know, back to, you know, um, elementary school when you're talking about, you know, sine waves and, and frequencies, it's just the number of, of oscillations, um, you know, per minute so or, or per second. So um, in, in EMFs come in, in a, a very wide frequency range. So there's, there's very low frequencies um, where we're measuring are also known as um, ultra-low or very slow oscillations, very slow frequencies. So uh, those are going to be things like you're building wiring because your wiring of your home runs basically on 60 hertz. Um, and then from there you kind of move up the spectrum and you start getting into higher and higher frequencies and, and at some point you, you move into wireless transmissions and those are in your, your megahertz and your gigahertz range which are thousands of times faster than the low frequencies are concerned. So really that's, that's kind of what we're, what we're basically measuring. And, and in order to have these, these frequencies in the house you, you need to have some type of power behind it, something that's creating it, you know, and uh, whether that's voltage, whether that's, um, uh, you know, the term electromagnetic um, kind of suggests that uh, there's an electric component and a magnetic component. So there's amperage involved and there's um, voltage involved in, in the, the frequencies. And mm -hmm. so that's essentially what we're, what we're measuring with, with our meters and our little devices and that. And so uh, the, the, the idea here is that the human body is an electrical being. You know, we, we, our bodies run off of different frequencies as well. And so all of these kind of foreign frequencies from our wiring in our house or our cell phones or what have you has a frequency as well and so our bodies kind of have have an ability to somewhat sense or or interpret you know all these other frequencies and and that's really kind of what wreaks havoc on our biological systems um is just you know that kind of confusion that goes on there mm -hmm. um and uh so so that's why it's important to to know about what you're being exposed to and making sure that you know those levels are as low as as possible mm -hmm. And what are some of the health effects that, that have been associated with chronic exposures to EMFs? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think for, for everybody, there, there's always kind of the, the, the telltale signs of, of exposure. Um, you know, there can be, you know, headaches, nausea, fatigue, um, problems sleeping, whether it's getting to sleep or staying asleep. And I think those are kind of um, some of the first types of symptoms that you're going to, um, most people would, would experience. And then it kind of graduates from there. Um, there have been, I guess, some, um, different types of, um, autoimmune type issues with that. Um, I know, 
um, some some childhood leukemia has been um, associated with that. Um, um, different types of cancers have been associated with it as well. You know, um, and again, it's 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 not something that um, the exposure is is going to cause that over a certain period of time with with say a certain level of of field. Um, but all of these types of things are considered, you know, stressors on the body, something that the body has to process. And when you add that into everything else your body is dealing with at one particular time or another, um, you, your body can tend to get overwhelmed or start breaking down. And that's where you then start to have, um, have symptoms. And, and the, the, the more stressed out your body is, the more significant the symptoms are that you're going to start experiencing. Yeah, I think it's, we, we spoke earlier about basically symptoms resulting from sort of a perfect storm of mm -hmm. things, and there are many factors that go into how one will react to chronic exposures of, chronic or ex acute exposures of anything. So depending on your diet and probably stress level mm -hmm. and other environmental factors at home. So... That's why I love proposing idea or tips for people to reduce any burden. Mm -hmm. And um, sleep is such a important time to protect yeah. so that the body can restore. So I just had Matt measure my children's bedrooms. It's funny how I don't seem to care much about mine, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have been experiencing a lot of the symptoms that you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. So it's good to know, okay, I really have to monitor my exposures as well because it's really affecting my sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, one, one, I think one of the most difficult things with this is um, just not being able to know what, what's there, um, what is or is not there. Because it, yeah. it's, it is, it's something that's invisible. It's, it's, not something that most people can even sense or feel. And yeah. so a lot of times it's kind of like the old saying, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Um, like we, we don't all think about it. Um, but it is something that, that we should really focus on. And, and you know, I'll even just use myself um, as, a, you know, as an example to that too, is because I'm, I, I do this for a living. And, and when I moved, um, I moved from Long Island to Manhattan um, about six years ago. And um, when I moved into my apartment in Manhattan, um, I didn't even I didn't even think to even measure what I was being exposed to, and I'm, I don't find myself to be a particularly sensitive person to environmental conditions. So I didn't, like I said, I didn't think anything of it. But um, after a few weeks went by, you know, a month went by, and I was waking up like four to five times a night. I mean, I wasn't feeling. Um, any other issues. I mean, I wasn't feeling unwell, um, or sick or anything like that, but just constantly waking up at night. And, you know, I just attributed it to, um, New York city life, you mm -hmm. know, the lights, the sound, the stimulation, you know, all of that sort of thing. Um, but just out of curiosity, I, you know, took out my meter one day, my radio frequency meter and, and took some readings and the, the level that I was getting in the bedroom, um, you know, for New York standards, it really was not that high. Um, but if you if you compare it to um, a, a more suburban residential level, um, you know it, it was it was a hundred times higher um, than than that than that scenario. So um, you know I, I didn't know if that was really the cause or not. But what I did is I 
just as an experiment, I um, shielded the um, exterior wall and window um, to the to the apartment. Um, and before before even the first night came along, my my wife came home and and she walked into the room and I didn't tell her that what I was doing. She walked into the room and she was like, "What?" She asked me, "What's different in this room?" Wow. Um, and you know, I'm like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "Well, it feels calmer in here." Wow. And and then I, you know, I told her what I had done, and it was just it was interesting to get someone else's outside perspective on that because I mean, I I tend to feel like I noticed a calmness in the room mm -hmm. as well, um, but just to get somebody else, you know, somebody else's perspective yeah. is. is verification and and sure enough that that first night you know slept straight through the night um wow. no problems waking up at all and um so I thought great everything is fixed and you know six months goes by and I notice I start waking up again at night and um and so I took out my meter again and started testing and sure enough the levels went back up again and I was like what's going on so um I was able to identify a um, wi-fi router um, sound coming from the next room and um, I thought that maybe my next door neighbor had uh, recently installed a Wi-Fi router and um, so I was kind of doing my routine testing things trying to figure out where it's coming from and that and I, I, I soon realized that it wasn't my um, wasn't my neighbor um, it was coming from inside my own apartment and I thought that's really strange because I don't I don't have these things in my apartment my Wi-Fi routers off well it turned out that I had um, had to replace my cable modem um, mm -hmm. because it wasn't operating properly. And the new modem they gave me mm -hmm. automatically came with Wi-Fi built into it. Um, and so um, as soon as I realized that, I turned that off. And again, my sleeping went back to, back to normal again. So, That's amazing. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's a very simple thing. I mean, we, we all have these types of devices in our lives being, you know, cell phones, cordless phones, Wi-Fi routers, and all of that, which, you know, I'm not, not here to say that we need to get rid of all that stuff and, and move back to the Stone Ages. But it's it's really about um, being conscious of what these sources are. Right. You know, how, how far are they from where you're sleeping? How much are they affecting you? Um, and in a lot of times, you can, you can reconfigure things and, and use things a little bit differently and still maintain those modern conveniences while still allowing your, your body that that break that it needs during the nighttime to regenerate and, and to, to have a, a good restful sleep. Yeah. It's, that story is a good reminder of how hard it is to keep up with technology. We have more and more amazing products flooding the market every year, but we don't understand the effects they have on our health. And it's not talked about as much in this country as it is in some others. And I, and more aware than I think some of my friends are. And I still had, I'm, I'm shocked from our reading today. I think the one thing that blows me away the most is how much my, with the tools measured near my desk, mm -hmm. where I spend at least eight hours on a day. It's like eight to 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, if I remember correctly, the number was like 15,000 or 20,000 mm -hmm. in the radio frequency, which is shocking and upsetting in one sense, but also such a nice relief that I have an explanation for why I've actually been feeling so bad. And listening to your story, I'm also reminded that 
I think I started thinking of you lately because I, I've been, uh, definitely I have mental, um, mental fogginess. Mm -hmm. I'm, my sleep is so disrupted and I can't figure out why I've had fatigue for a while and I do feel a difference in my chest mm -hmm. and I never know if it's could also maybe be the indoor air quality of new materials in the home, but definitely with the learning that the Bluetooth in my iMac was emitting a lot of, would you describe that as EMFs or RF? Radio, radio waves, radio, yeah. Radio yep. waves. Yep. Obviously, that's going to have an effect on me. Mm -hmm. It was so strong. And that's such an easy tweak to yep. make in it my is. life. Um, what are some common household things that that will give off high levels of exposure? Yeah, so I think I think your example is is one that's common to most people is um, is just related to home home computing. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people who are conscious about um, the the electromagnetic fields and, and the radio frequency, you know, will will hardwire their internet connection to their computer. But sometimes they don't realize, especially with laptops, is that um, that that Wi-Fi is still emitting from the laptop as well as um, the router itself. So just plugging something in doesn't automatically turn it off. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that's one thing that you know it should be kept in mind. Um, the other thing that I see too are, are printers. I mean, how often do you, you know, typically print things when you're at home? I mean, almost, you know, almost never. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I usually tell people to leave their printer off if they're not using it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just turn it on when you need it. You know, you don't, you don't need to have all these things on constantly all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as far as, um, as far as the rest of the house goes, um, you know, Cordless phones. Um, keep keep cordless phones out of the bedroom. Don't don't set them next to um, next to the bed. Um, even even cell phones at night. Um, I you know I I use my uh, alarm on my cell phone um, you know for sleeping, but I also put the phone on airplane mode each night too, so that's mm -hmm. not transmitting as well. Um, you know the other thing that's kind of a newer thing are, are a lot of these activity bands and bracelets, the Fitbits, and you know those sorts of things, which are kind of a newer thing. Um, but those all have Bluetooth in them as well. Um, they are very low power Bluetooth, but um, I think the, the verdict is still out a little bit to 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 know exactly how how is that affecting our bodies when we're wearing that next to us all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just you know it's kind of being aware of all the different devices that are. Um, that are wireless these days that mm -hmm. are really um, can kind of wreak havoc on the body. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the other thing too that I that I'll bring up aside from um, radio frequency is is as it pertains to um, electric fields and um, and that's you know any any cord or appliance that you have plugged in around the house is emitting an electrical field and not that that that's all bad but um, I, I would pay attention again in the sleeping area where. Mm -hmm. um, where those things are plugged in, you know, and I, I it seems like a, a lot of times most people have like the, the one outlet on the wall is right behind the head of the bed. And right. what people end up in, inevitably doing is getting like a power strip and plugging in there and then all the cords right. from the bedside lamps, the, the alarm clocks, maybe the phone or, or even charging cords for their cell phone or their laptop all gets plugged in underneath the bed. And so now you all of a sudden have like this big nest of electrical fields underneath the bed that's radiating up right. and 
And those things also can affect sleep pretty significantly as well, especially if you have um, some type of metal bed frame, uh, metal inner springs in your mattresses, um, any, uh, any of those types of things that are conductive will, mm -hmm. will, you know, kind of envelope the entire sleeping area in an electrical field. Um, one experiment that I did um, one time um, after I, you know, freshly went through the, the building biology electromagnetic curriculum was I went home and I turned off the electricity to the entire house mm. um, for one night. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing how different Wow. That night's sleep felt not having the electricity. How on. interesting! Yeah, yeah, and so I think um, I think we're we're affected on a very subtle level by mm -hmm. all of these things, um, where we don't really notice it on a day to day basis. But over time, you know, I think it, it definitely takes a toll on the body, and and um, the body has to like every stressor has to has to somehow process it all, and it's just yeah. kind of is taxing. I remember. Um, this can feel like such an overwhelming area to detox. And when I first, I mean, I'm still learning so much and it's been a few years that I've been familiar with this topic, mm -hmm. but it's hard when our world, especially in, it's interesting to me. I, I read about how certain governments around the world or schools around the world are banning Wi-Fi from either public spaces or elementary schools, anywhere where young children might be at risk because of the potential genotoxic effects on the kids and probably the adults too. But I, so I read about a conservative precautionary approach in some places abroad while in the United States and in New York City there I see stickers all over the place popping up saying free Wi-Fi access, like that's a really good thing. And um, can you talk a little bit about what, about about the science? Because I know when I started reading about it, it was confusing. I would read, it seemed like a lot of reports by credible scientists, some physicians, validating the science that warns for or supports a precautionary approach, meaning it's better to be safe than sorry based on the data. We should just reduce our exposures, especially when it comes to young life. Mm -hmm. But then there are other organizations that won't, that, that don't feel the same way, and they're really credible organizations. So it's really confusing to know what is being paranoid and what is being reasonable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a tough line in the sand to draw. I'm, you know, and, and with, with the, with the cellular, the, you know, the wireless industry, it's such a gigantic industry and, and they kind of, um, you know, have, have their feelers in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, and, and not to say that it's, that it's some kind of a conspiracy or anything like that, but, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of, medical professionals will say say things are fine until they're not you know until there's very concrete proof that there's not um and so you know you're talking about the precautionary principle it's you know it's taking that action before it's proven you know that it it, it is you know without a doubt harmful but i mean i think there, there's lots of other studies out there though that that really look at 
this from a cellular level, um, even back to the 1970s when, you know, they first started kind of studying this sort of thing. And, and so there, there's, there's some pretty specific studies throughout history um, that this could be a potential issue. I mean, even during the Cold War, um, I believe the U.S. Embassy um, uh, employees received a hazard pay um, for for working in that location because mm -hmm. they knew that they were being bombarded with um, radio frequency. Wow! You know, which um, at that, from my understanding, at that time was um, less than what we actually are exposed to nowadays in mm -hmm. some situations. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, yeah, so it's 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 hard it's hard to say a specific number and say you know above this you're you're not fine and below this you aren't because every every person's body is a little different and mm -hmm. especially talking about um children you know the, their bodies are much smaller their immune systems aren't as as well developed so i mean that that to me is not um a, a risk that i'm willing to take right um and so i think the precautionary principle as you mentioned is is the best um best approach to something like that, especially when, um, you know, I've seen how uh, I can be affected by levels um, that, you know, in the grand scheme of things are still considered to be low and how I notice changes in my body and, and how I feel and how I sleep. Um, you know, so again, I, I, that's not something that I want to take a, take a chance on, you know, and, and I think also looking at the industry as a whole too, um, you know, most of the FCC limits and, and regulations are really all focused around um, the thermal effects of radio frequency, um, the, the heating of human tissue, much like what a microwave does to our food. Um, of course, we don't want to have something like that happen to us, but um, I, I think we're, they're missing kind of like the, the, the more important aspect of this is that, you know, again, our bodies um, uh, react to these things at a much, much lower level um, than what our standards actually say are safe. Mm -hmm. um, and whether or not that ca will cause an immediate um, health symptom or reaction in us, you know, that, that may not happen. But um, I think over time and in given, you know, uh, different scenarios of, of what your body might be going through at the same time, whether there's other stressors going on, um, other chemicals you're being exposed to, you know, all these other things that we come in contact in our lives, um, you know, it, it most certainly can have um, some kind of an effect. And you never know what that one thing is going to be that's, you know, kind of like the the um, the straw that broke the camel's back kind of an analogy. You know, you never know what that thing is that's going to set you over the edge that, that may cause you to have, you know, an acute exposure or sensitivities that are um, going to cause some symptoms that you're just going to have a much harder time recovering from than you normally would. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, thank you so much yeah. for coming out here and talking to me and, uh, and sharing what you, and doing what you do. <laughs> of course. Great. So check out Matt at healthydwellings.com. He services the Connecticut and New York City area. I highly recommend that you consider reaching out to him. And thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. 
Join me on my journey for practical non-toxic living by subscribing to this podcast and following me online. Just visit my website, nontoxicliving.tips for more. That's nontoxicliving.tips. Even better, buy your copy of my book, A to Z of Detoxing. It's the only book you'll want to help you reduce your toxic exposures. It's sold worldwide, including on Amazon. Until next time.